Would you pray with me? Holy God, on this Pentecost Sunday, we pray that we would have a new and fresh experience of the presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, that it would be more than just a feeling that we get in our heart, but Lord, that it would be an undeniable presence of your Spirit with us that propels us outside of these walls to proclaim the goodness of God in our day-to-day lives, to to live in ways that are, are pleasing to you, and to do deeds of power in your name so that others might know your goodness. And so, Lord, would you stir us up now to love and good deeds as we proclaim your goodness and, and just remember and recall the amazing events of that first Sunday, or that first day that the, the church was born. And so we just uh, pray now that your spirit, which is present with us here, would speak to our hearts through your word that we might know you. And we pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen. Uh, well, we are, uh, we're in the final week uh, of a sermon series we've been going through this last several weeks here um, called Game Changers. Um, and throughout the sermon series, we've been looking at various stories, um, both in the Gospel of John and the book of Acts, uh, where Jesus shows up. Um, and, and when he shows up, uh, he changes everything, um, and, and he continues to, to do that today. And so we've been looking at different ways that, that Jesus changes the, the situations that we face uh, by entering in. Um, and uh, of course, as we've mentioned on this Pentecost Sunday, we're, we're celebrating the day that, that God poured out his Holy Spirit on Jesus' disciples, which gave birth to what we know today as the church. It's really the, the reason why we're all sitting here this morning. Um, in the beginning of the story that we read in Acts chapter 2, we, we find 120 of Jesus' disciples gathered together in the upper room. Uh, because as we talked about last Sunday, uh, before Jesus ascended to be with the Father, he had instructed his disciples to stay in Jerusalem and wait. So they were in Jerusalem and they were waiting together, but they weren't sure what for yet. You know, I can imagine that the disciples gathered there uh, may have felt kind of lost. Uh, you know, kind, kind of asking, well, well, now what? Right? Because they, they really weren't sure uh, what this Holy Spirit was that Jesus was talking about or what he would do or what would happen next. Um, you know, he, and, and this Jesus who had led them for the last three years had seemingly left them. Um, and, and they really just weren't sure uh, where to go uh, from here. And I'm sure that we've all had those moments in our lives, you know, when we feel lost, uh, kind of like a, a sheep without a shepherd, unsure of what to do next. Um, you know, maybe it's a, a season of major life transition, right? Where we recognized our, our graduates this morning who will be, you know, entering a new season of life, whether it's high school, college, or going into the workforce. And uh, while, while that's an exciting time, there, there can also be uh, an air of uncertainty about the future, and, and those changes uh, can be difficult. 
uh, or you know, maybe it's uh, a diagnosis that you received that shook up your entire sense of normal, or a, a phone call uh, you got with news that, that changed everything, or maybe you lost a job, or, or a, a market downturn completely changed your financial situation. You know, whatever uh, it is for you, we've all experienced things in life that remind us that we can't put too much stock in our own strength. You know, be it money, our careers, our popularity, our health, or the other things of this life. Because in those times when those things fail us, we're reminded that we can't always count on them. But those experiences, no matter how difficult they may be, can also be opportunities for us to experience God's power in a fresh way. Because when we cease to, to trust in our own strength, and begin to wait upon the strength of the Lord, it has the potential to change everything. Waiting upon the strength of the Lord is where we find the apostles at Pentecost. Right? They were there, they were waiting, they weren't sure what for, and, and this, of course, came mere days after Jesus had ascended into heaven. Now, the word Pentecost uh, literally means 50th day. Um, and it was celebrated by the, the Jewish community as a harvest festival and, and as the feast of the giving of the law to Moses. Um, and it's called the 50th day uh, because it's celebrated 50 days after Passover, um, which is, of course, another significant Jewish feast. So for the feast of Passover, Jews from all around the area would come to Jerusalem, and uh, there were usually a, a multitude of nations represented uh, there in the city. And just as God reappropriated the, the Feast of Passover through Jesus in the Last Supper, right? Jesus celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples on the Passover. He also reappropriated Pentecost by pouring out his Holy Spirit on the disciples. The second chapter of Acts kind of marks a turning point for the church. Because in chapter 1, the disciples are, are kind of waiting for the Holy Spirit's coming. In chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. In chapter 1, the, the disciples are equipped by Jesus. In chapter 2, they're empowered by the Spirit. In chapter 1, they're held back. In chapter 2, they're sent forth. In chapter 1, Jesus ascends. And in chapter 2, the Spirit descends. And on this day, God anointed the apostles and, and, and Jesus' disciples with his Holy Spirit to share the good news of the gospel. The word anoint um, has a few different meanings in the Bible, but one of them is to set someone apart, to, to equip him or her for a task of spiritual importance. That's what the word anoint means. So, so God filled the apostles with a power that was not of themselves to do a task that was bigger than what they could have done on their own strength which of course was to start a movement that has become a worldwide phenomenon that is carried down through the ages, also known as the church. And the crazy part about all of this is that Pentecost is actually a story about Jesus showing up. In John 14, 16 through 20, Jesus says this to his disciples. He says, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the Spirit of truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Remember, Jesus is saying this. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. You will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. So the Holy Spirit was the presence and is the presence of Jesus with us. So this was Jesus showing up in a way that his disciples probably did not expect. And the results are spectacular. So with that in mind, the the question that I'd like to ask this morning is, what does it mean for us to be filled with power from the Holy Spirit that overcomes our weakness? What does it mean for us to be filled with power from the Holy Spirit that overcomes our weakness? So let's, uh, let's just take another look at our text this morning to find out. If you'd like to open your Bibles back up to Acts chapter 2, um, you've got some in your pews in front of you. Um, or if you brought your Bibles or if you even want to uh, use your smart device and even check in on Facebook to let people know you're here worshiping with us this morning. It can be a great way to invite people to Armstrong and let them know that we're here. So uh, let's just open our Bibles up this morning and we're going to walk through this story um, together. So it, it uh, begins that the disciples were all together in one place. Now, in the previous chapter, we read that the number of disciples that were together was about 120. So this is not necessarily a, a small group of people. It's, it's a little bit more than probably what we have here this morning. We're together um, in one place. And suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Now, the word used for spirit in the Old Testament uh, is is ruach. Can we say that together this morning? Ruach. (laughs) Don't hock a loogie or anything. Okay, Uh, so so ruach, which which means uh, breath, air, uh, wind, or soul. Um, So on Pentecost, we see this holy, animating wind of God. The the same wind that swept across the waters at creation. The the same wind uh, that that parted the Red Sea. That wind of God sweeping over Jesus' disciples and bringing them to life. Verses 3 through 8. Now they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. And now it says that they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation. Remember, they all descended upon Jerusalem for the Feast of Pentecost. And when they heard this sound, it got people's attention, right? It, 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 people started wondering what was happening Um, And uh, they came together, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken from this group of Galileans. Now, the Galileans were kind of from from hill country. People considered them to be unintelligent, unarticulate. So this was not the group of people that they would expect to hear this sort of thing from. And so that kind of added to their shock. Not only were they hearing it in their own languages, but they were hearing uh, these things from Galileans. And so utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all of these who are speaking Galileans? 
then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? And all of this happened because Jesus' disciples found a power, or a, a power found them, that was not of themselves. They were anointed, set apart, with the boldness and power to proclaim God's good works. And that power that they were anointed with to do what they did could only come from God's Spirit. And this is, a, this is a theme that we see time and time again throughout the Bible. God's Spirit empowering people to do things that they would not otherwise be able to do on their own strength. You know, why, why do you think that Jesus spent most of his ministry with the weak and the needy? Why do you think he spent most of his ministry with the weak and the needy? Because think about it. Jesus' heart was for the blind, the deaf, the sick, the leper, the demon-possessed, the widow, the orphan, those who were outcasts in their society, those who were downtrodden. That's who Jesus spent his time with. Why? Because these people were already in a position of weakness, and they were thereby able to receive the blessings of the kingdom that Jesus had come to bring. And this is why Jesus said, truly, I tell you, unless you change, you become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, in order to receive the, the blessings that God has in store for us, we have to humble ourselves and, and put ourselves in a position of weakness in order to receive it. And this is what we see Jesus' disciples doing in the upper room. They were waiting and praying. Instead of attempting to do things on their own strength and power, you know, maybe after Jesus ascended, getting together for a little strategy session, say, okay guys, what now? What are we going to do? And then make a plan and go do it. They didn't do any of that. They just went and waited and prayed. And through that waiting and praying, their hearts were prepared to receive the Spirit of God. Because they chose to put themselves in a place of weakness. And now for some of us, that is going to be a choice. There are some people who don't have a choice. They are already in a position of weakness. But some of us, we have things that, that we could otherwise rely on, right? We got a 401k, we got a nice house, we got a nice car, we got a nice job, we've got health, we've got strength, we've got all of these things. But ultimately, when we say, I'm not going to put my stock in any of those things. I'm not going to, to act like I am a powerful or successful person in the world's eyes because I know that God's power is found in humbling myself, in making the choice not to put stock in those things and rather seek after God. And especially this is a word to our graduates, right? Because when you think about what it takes to be a successful adult in the eyes of the world, usually that's what you hear right? Successful people have nice houses, nice cars, nice jobs, nice families, nice lives. There's nothing wrong with these things. But as followers of Jesus, we shouldn't put our stock in them. We shouldn't put our hope in them. Because things can change quickly, like we said, right? Things, you know, life, life is crazy. It takes unexpected turns. And in those moments, 
When life brings you low, where your hope is becomes very important. And my word to you today is humble yourself before you have to. <laughs> before, before you are humble, before life does throw you a curveball so that you can find this hope and this strength that is not of the world, but is rather of God. And it's only when you choose to humble yourself and, and put yourself in a position to receive that you're able to receive it. That's what we see Jesus' disciples doing on Pentecost. They were in a position to receive. They weren't trying to take matters into their own hands. They were simply waiting and praying. In John 15, 5, Jesus says, I am the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and, and I in you, you'll bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, Jesus' disciples likely remembered those words. And now they were starting to understand them. And it's important that, that we understand those words as well, because until we understand them, God, God won't be able to fully use us as followers of Jesus. Because, see, the thing is, we can do a lot of things on our own strength and power, right? Jesus didn't mean you can do literally nothing apart from me. We can do a lot of things apart from Jesus. People do a lot of things apart from Jesus every day, right? But when we begin to acknowledge the fact that we can do nothing of eternal significance apart from Jesus. That there will be nothing we can do on our own strength and power that will carry beyond ourselves and have an impact on the life that is to come. That's what Jesus is talking about. Sowing seeds for the kingdom, for eternity, for the kingdom that Jesus had come to bring, the kingdom that we are each a part of. When, when you accept the, the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and come to faith in Him, you are a citizen of His kingdom. And if you are to be a part of that kingdom, that's what our lives should be about. And in order to, to participate in that kingdom power and to do things of eternal significance, we need to stay connected to Jesus. And how do we do that? By humbling ourselves and welcoming His Spirit in our hearts. Being obedient to the leading of His Spirit. Seeking God's kingdom first. And letting the rest of life's stuff sort itself out. Um, as I've been attending all of these graduation parties uh, for uh, uh, the loft kids from, from high school, uh, a lot of them have had little books that you can write thoughts in and stuff like that. And, and every book that I've written in, I've written the verse Matthew 6.33, But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. And of course, that was Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, where he was teaching about the cares of this world and providing for yourself, right? And all of these things we get preoccupied with and, and try to handle on our own strength and power. we got bills to pay. I've got things to take care of. I've got things on my schedule. I've got kids who need me. I've got health issues. I've, what have you, whatever it is, seek the kingdom of God first. The rest of life will work itself out. If you put God first, you're seeking the leading of His Spirit, the rest of everything else will fall into place. God's going to take care of it. 
I found that to be true in my own life, and, and I hope that if, if that's the way that you order your life as well, you've also found that to be true. It doesn't mean that life isn't going to throw you curveballs. It doesn't mean that bad things won't happen to you, but when they do, your hope and your strength is rooted in something that is not of this world. So when the, the whole world around you could be falling apart, and you could still know that you are held in the presence of God, and that He has a plan for your life that goes beyond this life here and now. That is the kind of presence that we celebrate on Pentecost. And so the disciples, they begin speaking in these tongues, and everyone is amazed. But you see, when, when you begin to order your life this way, there are going to be people who, who don't really get it. They don't really understand. It's going to be nonsense to them. And, and we see these people, even in this story, are, you know, the people standing around watching all these events unfold. And what do they say? Ah, these guys have just had too much wine, right? You never have to look far for those people who are going to try to rationalize the things that God does that are beyond our own comprehension that's naturally going to happen. When you begin to live in the strength of the Spirit, God begins to work in your life in powerful ways, and He begins to do things through you that you could never do on your own strength. There are going to be people who look at you and be like, that dude's weird, right? Um, and that's a good thing, because that's how we know that we're living in the strength of God's Spirit. And that happened to the apostles, and, and, and Peter responds, right? He says, it's only nine in the morning. We haven't had too much wine. But rather, and then he quotes the book of Joel, right? In, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. They will prophesy. God doing work through people making themselves available to the movement of the Holy Spirit. I will show my wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great Lord in the glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the coming of the Spirit on Pentecost... Mark the beginning of a new age. Because we're waiting for Jesus to come back. That's the next step in the story. That's what happens next. We've been waiting for that now for 2,000 years. And we don't know the day or the time. Not even Jesus knows that. But we know that as his followers, we should be living in expectant hope of that day. And until that day... Our job as the church is to tell as many people as we can about Jesus. Amen? It's pretty simple. I mean, that's, that's the mission that Jesus entrusted us with, is to tell people about what he has done on the cross, right? That he suffered and died for our sake, that he rose again, and that he ascended to the Father and is coming back. 
That's the gospel in a nutshell. That's the message that we're to be about. That's the message we should order our lives around. That's the the message that should cause us to humble ourselves and expect to receive from God the gift of his spirit that's going to do signs and wonders through us that prove the kingdom of God is here and now. You remember we said last week that our hearts are the place where heaven and earth collide. That the kingdom of heaven is here and now in your heart, if you've accepted the grace of Jesus Christ and you're living in his presence, the kingdom of God is in your heart and it should be working itself out in your life. Because you see, that's another part about this story. When the Holy Spirit shows up, it's not just a warm, fuzzy feeling that everybody gathered in the upper room shared and they're like, oh, isn't this nice? I feel the spirit of the Lord. Let's hold hands and sing kumbaya. No, that didn't happen. What happened? They were propelled outside of those walls to powerfully proclaim in every tongue the good works of God. The message of the gospel. Deeds of power were done in the name of Jesus. And we're going to be looking at some of those deeds that were done here over the next several weeks as we enter into our next sermon series. Before today, I want us to hear this message that if God's Spirit has come upon your heart, if you know the power of Jesus, that, that, that uh, the power of God that raised Jesus from the dead, which now lives in you through the Spirit of the living God, you shouldn't be able to contain it. It should send you forth from this place that you should not be able to keep it to yourself, but that you have to share it with everyone around you because they need to know. Because we're expecting the return of our King. And the people around us need to know that they can have a part in that kingdom that He came to bring as well. Because it's for everybody, amen? That's what we're to be about, church. That's what we're to be about. So today, I guess, I just want to ask you, where is an area of your personal life, or maybe of our collective life together, that we need Jesus to show up our weakness? Is there an an area of, of your life or maybe an area of our life where we haven't been trusting in the Spirit's leading, waiting upon the Lord, but instead trying to take matters into our own hands? Holding on tight and and not letting go because you're afraid if if you let go that something bad is gonna happen, that you're you'll lose control and and that that things won't go the way that, that you hoped that they would go, or Are we willing to put ourselves in a place of need, in a place of weakness, to humble ourselves, that we might receive the gift of the Spirit? Because unless we become like little children, put ourselves in a position to receive, humble ourselves before God, we cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So maybe we humble ourselves before God this morning. May we wait and pray, and expect His Spirit to move in a powerful way, not only in our lives, but in our life together as a church. Because when the church of Jesus Christ humbles themselves collectively and begins to pray for the Spirit to move, God will hear that prayer, and He'll honor it, 
And yes, it might scare us. Yes, God might move in unexpected ways that make us uncomfortable. But that's kind of the point. Because that's what happened on Pentecost. So may our prayer be, God, would you do it again? God, you showed up on Pentecost. Would you show up in our midst? God, you showed up in Pentecost, on Pentecost. Would you show up in my life? Would you begin to do things that are greater than I could ever ask or imagine that I might know the presence of your spirit, not just in my life, but that I would live it out so that other people around me can know that presence and power for themselves. May that be our prayer today. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray for the times that we try to take matters in our own hands and rely on our own strength. Lord, for those instances, we, we just pray for your forgiveness. Lord, for our lack of trust in, in your provision, in your power, in your goodness. Lord, for the times when we don't pray expectantly. Lord, where, where we don't live expectantly. Lord, that you would do great things, not only through us, but through your church. Lord, would you begin to expand our imaginations of what you are capable of doing, not only in our lives, but in our life as a church. Lord, will we begin to see deeds of power being done in your name, lives being changed by the power of the gospel, hearts which were once stone being softened as people humble themselves before you and, and receive your life-changing grace. And Lord, as your disciples were sent out from that place all those years ago to proclaim your deeds of power, would you fill us up this morning and send us out from this place? Lord, will we not be able to contain the message of grace and forgiveness that is only found in the cross of Jesus Christ? Lord, would we not be able to, to help ourselves from, from sharing that, not only in the way that we live our lives, but, but in the way we speak, in the way we act, in the way we, we live, Lord, in every area of our lives, would we be glorifying You, serving You, and trusting that You would take care of the rest. So Lord, we just humble ourselves before You now. Would You help us to wait would you help us to pray? Less of us, more of you. We pray this in Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen.